Kiss me, fat boy. 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 Warning: The following podcast may contain explicit language and themes. Viewer discretion is advised, and please, only those who are old enough to listen to this, adults only, okay? And there's also things that may be triggering for some individuals, so please proceed with caution. This is a fan podcast, and we're not affiliated with Stephen King on any level or any way or anybody that has anything to do with the releasing of his works on various platforms. We are also um, expressing opinions here, so the views expressed on this podcast are not those of the other people on this podcast and definitely not those of the sponsor. Spoiler warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the name work of this podcast plus cross-references that is found throughout the Stephen King universe. So please, at the very least, listen to the work or watch the work or read the work that is named in this podcast before proceeding. You've been warned. Hello, Serena here for a solo podcast today, and today I'm going to talk about the mo- the movie Sometimes They Come Back. It is based off, it's from 1991, and it's a made-for-television horror film that was released um, on CBS, and it was from the 1974 short story with the same name by Stephen King, and uh, they originally were going to add it as part of the Cat's Eye series, but for some reason they chose not to do it. And they made it to its own little movie. Now, the screenplay was written by Lawrence Connor and the and Mark Rosenthal. So he, I guess they were the ones who came in together to make it happen. And it was directed by Tom McLaughlin. And I, of course, I don't know any of these people. I'm just letting you know that Stephen King did not write this uh, teleplay. But it did vary greatly from the story in the book. But I have to say that I preferred the story, okay? I'm just going to kind of keep it. It's a little confusing. If I go back and forth, I'm going to confuse myself, and I'm going to confuse you. So I'm just going to go with it varied greatly from the plot of the story. I preferred the story, and then that's all I want to say about it. Because when I try to go back and forth between them, I get confused. So starring... In this is Tim Matheson as Jim Norman, Brooke Adams as his wife, Susan, I believe, and his, oh, Sally, sorry. And then his son, his son is named Scott. Now, when Jim was nine, this is the book, this is based on the movie, okay? Just remember, this is the movie only because it's different from the story, which I will do the story in a separate podcast. When Jim was nine, uh, he moved away from the small town that he came from, and his because his older brother Wayne was murdered by a gang of, I wouldn't say a gang, but just a group of little um, greasers. They were definitely greasers, but a group of punks, and they were mugging. They, he was trying. They were trying to mug them in a train tunnel in 1963. So after his brother died. Uh, the guys also died because they had uh, parked their car inside the train tunnel and their keys, they couldn't find their keys. And the big reveal at the end is that Jim stole the keys when he was running. So the way it happened was is that Wayne 
and Jim were on their way to to take books back at the to the library to take books back, and they figured out that the correct change for the late books was twelve cents. And of course, in the in the sixties, that's a lot of money. So they counted out the change, and uh, it'd be like kind of equivalent to a couple bucks now. You know, you'd have to pay the, the library for late books. So they they had like two or three, well, three or four books, and the late fees. So I think there were three books because I said, or four books. Three times four is twelve. Is what they were saying, or three times three times three. I can't remember. Anyway, the point it was it was twelve. So they had these books. And they were on their way to take them back to the library, the two brothers. They were walking together, and they decided to cut through a train tunnel, which seems very silly because this tunnel looked very narrow. And there wasn't a big space on the sides. But this is what happened. So when they got in there, there was a group of greasers parked in a black car. And they were sideways, and I guess they were blocking the train. It must have been a very common... um, shortcut so there was a group of four uh, of these guys there was um, Richard Lawson Vinnie Vincent and David North and there was another guy that was with them and he escaped but what happened was they attacked the two boys they grabbed them and tried to rough them up and steal their money kept saying you can't pass through the tunnel without paying this, the, the toll or the fine or the fee or whatever they said, probably the toll. And they said, how much money you have? And they only had 12 cents. And they were making fun of him for having books, calling him a sissy who reads books, sissy with sissy books. You're going to read a sissy story to us, things like that. So they were just being made fun of and picked on by these. They were just a gang of hooligan, greaser hooligans. So they uh, grabbed... Wayne and was holding him, and he told his brother, run, Jimmy, run. But before he did that, uh, he before he could, before Jim could run away, he ended up seeing that his brother got stabbed by Vincent or Vinny because Vinny ended up getting mad because he says, no one hits me, and Wayne was able to best him by hitting him once. And so they ended up doing that. So they ended up stabbing him, and he falls out, and, he's, and he just can't help him. He's a little kid. So the train starts coming, so they can't even finish killing him properly. I know that sounds, I'm not saying that they're trying to, I'm not trying to say they should have killed him. I'm just saying that whatever they were doing was interrupted. Now, the whole fall into, he kind of like got pushed into the knife, so it was like almost an accident. But Vincent doubles down and says, well, he had it coming. You know, it was his fault. So even if he didn't do it on purpose, it was still a thing. Because they are kind of shoving around, and the kid, one of them was holding the knife. And um, I think it was Bleach who was holding the knife. I remember, I don't even know if that's really what they called him. Um, they didn't call him that at all. He just had Bleach-looking hair. But uh, anyway, so these three guys are roughing him up. And one of them's kind of like, just leave him alone. That's the one who actually escapes and lives his life. So... We got uh, Vincent, Richard Lawson, Vinny Vincent. What's her name, Vinny Vincent? Uh, David and David North, who they just called North. And so, when they there was a there was a fourth guy with them, but he 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 was kind of like the guy with the moral conscience. 
and also he escaped death. So what happened was is they were they just accidentally or not accidentally, um, I guess you would call it what is the standard of law on that? It's called the reckless reckless um, manslaughter, the reckless murder. So um, anyway, Wayne got stabbed in the stomach, and but when they were pushing around, one of them was holding the knife. Vin, Vinny got the knife out. It was a switchblade, and he didn't. Um, he was saying, "I'm going to get you." No one hits me and lives. Then that happened. He got stabbed. Um, Wayne gets stabbed. He falls to the ground because they decide, you know, they hadn't decided what they're going to do with him. But then the tra- hear the train coming and their car's parked in there, and they're like, "Oh man, we got to go." So his brother kind of gets off to the side, and he's hold. Uh, I think Jim is like holding him for a second. But then those punk- he's like, "Run, run, Jimmy, run, get help!" So it's kind of like made to seem like he's just trying to go get help for his brother. We find out later on that as he was leaving, he grabbed the keys off the ground and took them. So those guys were like, where are the keys? Where are the keys? One of them jumped out the window. The one with the conscience jumped out the window and ran away. And they're like, you, you coward or something like that. I don't know. So he runs away and the train hits the greasers and they die. Wayne also dies. So after, as a result of that, his family, when... Jim was nine. His family left that town, moved to another town, and started over. So that's the background. So in the beginning, we're seeing this through dreams of flashbacks in the dream, but um, that Jim's been having nightmares. So, and he cannot, it's just like every night, it starts as soon as he moves back in the house, he's having the same nightmare every night. Now he comes to back to his hometown to start over again because he is a teacher and he got in, in some trouble with um, an aggressive student, or he became aggressive with a troubled student. There was They were kind of hinting around. I think some of the kids were saying, I heard he threw a chair, or I heard he beat a kid up, or I heard he killed a kid. And so they were just all talking and everything. So he starts over, and the faculty is in the administration is really nice to him. Just, you know, come on in. You know, we know that you've been under a lot of stress, but we think you can really make it work here. And they were fine about that. So he moves back to his childhood home, and he tells his wife, you know, we're going to paint this and make this great. And she is just hesitant because she doesn't, uh, you know, want anything bad to happen. So it felt very uh, Jack Torrance, like how he had gotten in trouble. So he must have been toying with this idea a lot. So he got gotten in trouble with an aggressive student, hurt a student, or did something inappropriate, and then started over when a fresh start so the same thing but there's no alcohol in this one thankfully so that's the premise and so he starts at this school in his hometown um they're living in his old house and of course he keeps hearing crying and stuff in the middle of the night a kid crying and he thinks it's his wife and she's not she's asleep he goes and checks on his son scott it's not him he's asleep not making a peep he walks around and then he goes downstairs and then he sees it's he that he's the one sitting on the porch steps crying, and that's the flashback. So and it's I think it's pretty much one or two little flashbacks and you see the whole story, and at the very end we see the final flashback where he grabbed the keys and ran. So he basically killed those kids. He had the presence of mind to kill them and that was like his dark secret that he never told anyone. But he ran home. And. Sat out, and the police, a policeman had seen him. He said, "Everything okay?" 
and he just ran to sat on the the stairs of the. I think he ran and sat, ran into the house and told his mom what happened, or ran up to the stairs. He was crying on the stairs. Eventually, I don't know if it was after or before or what, but um, you know, so his brother died. So that's that's the backstory, and he's having these flashbacks to the dreams. Okay, so he starts the next day. He's walking in school, and that's when all the kids are talking about. I heard this. I heard that. He comes in and he sees this chip guy. It's a jock. Um, he's surrounded by a bunch of jocks that are wearing Letterman jackets. And he's being a smart aleck. And I think he confronts him pretty early on about, you You can't flunk me. Uh, he doesn't get that. Don't go in the backstory like they do in the story. But he, you know, confronts him about flunking him. And he just says, okay, you better straighten up or I'll talk to the coach type thing. So that whole thing was kind of going on with Chip was like trying to, you know, bust his balls. And then he was just trying to be a teacher. He wasn't being inappropriate um, at that point. He was just being a normal teacher. And Chip was out of line. So there was a student that stood up for Chip, for the the teacher at the end of it. He was like, just, you know, some guy with long hair and a little bit, a little of an earring and says, you know, he's like walking home and he's has a moment where he talks to Jim, and he says, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, that guy's just, he had said it in class, too, and they were kind of looking at him like, Ugh. And so then he also talked to them later and says, no problem, you know, whatever. They were kind of talking about, you know, books and stuff. I like reading and stuff like that. So then that's the end of, of that little interaction. Well, later on, uh, this guy, this kid, I can't remember his name, but the kid that's took up for him, um, he is riding his bike home, and then all of a sudden he starts getting chased by this mysterious black car, and it ends up being the car of these um, greaser guys. Jim was behind, like a great distance behind the kid riding the bike, but then he sees the black car, and he kind of, and it's like shooting flames out the back, so he's kind of like, what is going on? And so it comes out of nowhere, and I don't know if it cuts him off or something, but it gets his attention, and then he starts saying that, is like honking and trying to run this kid off the road the bike and this kid's running bike he's like pedaling as fast as he can he can't get away and so jim is chasing him in his little van he's like honk 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 trying to stop him. he's like hey stop hey stop and it shows this group of kids on the side of the road that are teenagers um and they have like a car smoking so they're trying to fix their car probably overheated or whatever and they see the kid pedaling the bike and they see nothing following him then they see Jim's van following him, so it's looking like Jim's the one chasing him because he's honking and everything. And then there was some fishermen on a, on a, a small wooden bridge um, that you pass over, and that's where he get the kid gets run off the side of that bridge right before you cross over, and he dies. He shows him at the thing at the bottom of the rocks, bloody and dead. So Jim's upset, and the fishermen are like, we didn't see anybody but you, but then they saw that he didn't run them off. So it's kind of starting this the suspicion angle of these ghosts are going to frame uh, Jim. And so the next day in class, he has a new student, and it is Vincent. So Vincent starts out, and he's, and he's just kind of given... Uh, Jim Hale and Vincent he recognizes him because he hasn't put it together yet so he's staring at him a lot and he thinks this can't be real because you know when you're faced with something supernatural in the real rational world of course you're going to be like what in the world and so uh, Vinny just like why are you staring at me and 
He tells him he can't smoke in class, just kind of like same kind of interaction they had in the story. And uh, Chip is, you know, starting that whole day off with, is that an order to sit down and everything? So the whole thing is kind of, you know, and so Chip thinks, oh, cool, someone else is going to bust his balls with me. And so they kind of like, cool. And uh, he seems like he's almost supportive of Vinny. But Vinny, you know, Vinny says, I've transferred from, I think it was Milburn High, which was the same thing in the story. So he basically, okay, that kid that got, um, let's see, Billy Stearns was the one, the one that uh, got run off of the bicycle. Kate takes up for him during class as well, and Vincent kind of gives her like the stare, and she's, I think she's right next to him, and he gives her this weird look. And then that night, she's walking home, and Jim sees her heading towards, I don't know if she was heading towards an apartment building or some kind of building, but there's a cop nearby, and he thinks, okay, he talks to her for a moment, and she's like, he's like, what are you doing out at night? She said, well, my mom's got a date, and I don't like, I don't get along with that boyfriend of hers, so I just came out for some fresh air, but I'm cool. Well, he's like, okay, and he sees her walking towards this big building, and I think it maybe was her apartment building, I'm not sure. So his idea is, okay, she's walking into her house, she's safe. Then, all of a sudden, he's asleep, and he's dreaming that she is running in a field, like a marsh area, I want to say, kind of like a marsh, it was like a fieldy marsh the weeds were all wrong for whatever it was, but it was just whatever they set up. Then she runs into this big barn, this old, you know, ancient-looking barn, but it's still standing and solid. And they, I think they hang her in here. I think he saw it because she is hung. So what happens is the next day he he freaks out. He comes into school, and he's like, oh, he had a bad dream. And he sees that she was being chased by those greasers in his dream. So the next day when he comes in and she's not there, they're like, he's like, what? And he just freaks out and he starts running. He just disappears in the middle of class and he leads the charge. I saw, I have this idea that she's here. So they're searching day all day and it's starting, it's dark and they're like ready to give up on it. And I said, we need to take a break. So the police are actually searching with him for her. And they're like, we need to take a break. This guy's crazy. I don't know what he's talking about. And all of a sudden, he says, well, is there a barn nearby? And Jim's like, is there a barn nearby? And they said, yes, there is a barn nearby over there. And he runs to it, like, frantically, which I feel like that should be where he led with it, but whatever. Maybe he just remembered at that moment. Well, who knows? they got to build this up somehow. And he runs in there, and he finds her. She's hanging up from the top of the barn with a noose around her neck. And so they think she killed herself. And the cops are kind of weirded out by it, but they... Or the next day, it shows them having a teacher session about the counselors leading a session saying, you know, we need to make sure that there's been two deaths, two suicides, and we need to make sure that, you know, the kids are not, you know, suffering because this, this is contagious. Suicide is contagious. Had a very, like, a Heather's moment a little bit. But suicide is contagious, and we need to make sure that, you know, if kids are upset, we need to talk to them. We need to provide support. And Jim gets upset and he says, what do you mean suicides? They were murdered. And that's when the counselor starts talking to him. She's female and she says, you know, I, if you need some help, I'm here for you as well. I can do private sessions. And he's, because I know you, I heard about your troubles before. And he's like, how did you hear about that? She said, well, I don't know what she, I can't remember how she put it. But she said, you know, I just know I've read your file or something like that. And he said, well, um, would you take a session with me? Even if you didn't believe it. And she said, what do you mean? So he's kind of saying, well, it's too strange to believe. 
they're just like, okay, whatever. And they're still being super supportive of him as a for the faculty and the administration. They're not accusing him at that point. They're not saying anything. The cops haven't even said anything. They were, they did have guess, some weird looks that he exactly knew where to find her, but they haven't said anything about it yet. He's starting to get more and more agitated because he realizes that every time a student takes up for him, that student dies. Those, and it's pretty much he knows that that student's being hurt by these guys, and they bring a new one of the gang over, so there's a third one. The next thing that happens is um, he starts to say, okay, something is not right here. So he remembers in his mind, he's like, oh, yes, there was that cop that day. So he goes down to the police station and asks about that cop, and they tell him he's uh, retired. Um, he had a really rough time in a burglary. This is nothing like the, the story in the book, okay? I just want to tell you this. It's completely different. And so they said, you know, he is... He had a hard, there was a burglary that took, he took it really hard. Physically, something happened or he came up on somebody. So now he's, he's convalescing in a retirement home. And so he goes and visits the cop at the retirement home and he says, I recognize you. He's like, you know, your face might change, but I always recognize the eyes. And I knew you were going to come because I seen your brother Wayne. And that's one thing they said at the police station that he started seeing dead people. So that was one reason why they put him in the nursing home or the convalescent home or whatever you want to call it. I mean, whatever, the retirement home. He was in a wheelchair, I believe, when he came to see him. So he was, you know. But anyway, so he just basically said, I knew you were coming because your brother Wayne told me I died for three minutes. And I saw and I saw Wayne and he told me what was going to happen and what you needed to do. Because he died when he was shot. I think he was shot in the head during that burglary and he died and they brought him back and that's how he knew what was up. So he tells him what he needs to do. And so uh, Jim is like, okay, these kids, is, he's really on edge. And he's scared if anybody comes by. They, you know, and this is right before. The reason why he remembered that is he saw the police car when one of the cops came by to ask him some questions. And he was really on edge. Well, he makes his wife lock all the doors and stay in the house. And... One of those kids almost run his son over, so that was one thing that happened, um, that the greasers in the car almost run his son over, and he's trying to tell everybody, but nobody listened, and they start saying, well, we're kind of getting suspicious of you, and um, that's when the third one dies. There, uh, Chip shows up. Yeah, Chip shows up, and he says, I gotta, I'm gotta. i leaving town. This is totally different from the, from the book, by the way. He's like, I'm leaving town. I got to get out of here. I just came to warn you. I'm nothing to do with what they're wanting to do. I had some bears jump around and they were like going to kill you or something crazy like that. I just want you to know I'm not any part of that. I just wanted to warn you before I leave town. And then when he tries to leave, uh, the car shows up and they like put him up. They hit him and he lands on the trunk, the not the trunk, the uh, hood of the car. And he's not dead. He's just kind of laying there and they're driving really fast through town and swirling around and everything. And, of course, uh, eventually they end up killing him, and that brings the last guy back. So they go, and, of course, they're saying, he's like, I need some help. I need some help. The police are like, we think you're doing all this stuff. So he's getting no help from them, but he got enough help from uh, the retired cop that had told him what the brother had said for him to do. So he finds out that one of those, he said, what happened to the guy that lived? He goes to his house and talks to him. And he's like, I don't want anything to do with you. He said, I had a feeling they would come back. I just knew it. 
And I think, I don't know if they were haunting him as well or if he just was spooked or whatever, but he was, he opened the door with a gun drawn. And uh, Jim is just like, you know, I don't know what to do. And he's trying to figure out what he should do. So after that, the guy just like, get away from me, stay away from me. I don't want anything to do with it. So he leaves. And that's when he had talked. He knew what he needed to do. So he went to, based on what his brother had said, so he went back to, I don't know where it was, but he went somewhere. I don't know if it was in his house. I don't think it was his actual house, but it was somewhere. Okay, let me clarify something because I couldn't exactly remember how he knew what to say. So Officer Neal, who was the one who told him about getting shot in his head and seeing his brother, he said he was shot and he was clinically dead for three minutes. And he encountered Wayne's spirit in this mid-realm is what he called it. And that was like a dimension uh, between, kind of like a, like a suspension between life and death. So he was all alone just hanging out there. And he said that that's when he told him what he needed to do. And he said he stuck there. And sometimes when things are unsettled, the spirit comes back to settle it. And it's the 27th anniversary coming up of Wayne's death. So the Greasers had always said they were from Milford High. But it turns out they Milford is... Um, a cemetery so he finds the graves he goes to that cemetery and finds the graves of the three greasers and then he uh wants to um you know he sees that and that's when they confront him and they say we need Mueller, which is the one that ran away to put everything together we need basically they think they're stuck in this in-between area too or this mid realm so they're stuck there too and they um need Mueller to put it back because they want to reenact it so they can go off to the next realm, right? They don't want to be stuck there. They want to move on go into the light, so to speak. I don't know where they thought they were going to go, by the way. The whole thing's stupid, but whatever. At least they had each other. And of course, they're showing up uh, at the house trying to grab everybody and do things to them. Like, they grabbed, they showed up looking on monstery. They can go monster-looking and demonic, or they look like skeletons basically they show the way they look when they you know got mutilated by the train then they can look demonic they can look like themselves it's just kind of weird but anyway so after that he goes to Mueller and he says he doesn't want anything to do with him but then he runs off Mueller runs off thinking he was there to kill him so Jim goes back to his house which is empty because he put his he ended up he ended up putting his wife and his son in a church to protect them and he lights some candles and he leaves. And this is like based on what he was told to do by this um, Officer Neil, who was told by, I guess, Wayne. Okay, so, and he had said, my brother said this is what we need to do. So that's how I knew that. Okay, so when he goes to the graveyard, he sees them. He they That's when he goes and he gets tries to get Mueller. Mueller runs away, but then when he goes to his house, which is now empty because his wife and son are hiding in the church, uh... He goes up to the attic, which is all dusty and dirty, and he digs out the floorboard. He has the three books, the 12 cents, and their car keys. He hid it. And so that's when Mueller shows up and says, I didn't think you'd come back here. So I I thought it was you that did this all this time. You still have it. So they go. He shows up, and uh, because he shows up, they basically, he's screwed because then the Ghosts grab grab Mueller and they take him with them. They're like, we're going back to this. We're going to reenact this so we can get to the other side. 
Um, they they he so the they get tricked. Jim's family gets tricked. The son goes. Scott goes outside. He's tricked into going outside for some reason. I can't remember what made him go outside, but they can't step foot in the church. They they start glowing in uh, fire flames. They say, okay, you know, come on out, and they won't come out. But then the child gets tricked into coming out. So they're holding the child and the wife in the car prisoner to make Jim and Mueller do what they want. And they go back to the tunnel, and they're going to recreate the whole thing. The tunnel doesn't have um, trains in it anymore, but all of a sudden they hear a ghost train coming. So So they start basically recreating the whole scene, the whole things they said. The kids, they're they're starting to say this. And the reason why they're recreated is... Mueller somehow gets himself stabbed and killed by these guys fighting them. He says, ah, if one of us, if someone dies, someone from over there comes over, right? And so he falls dead, and then that's when Wayne comes out of the light and from this mid-realm, and Wayne is there, and then that's when they start the whole thing again with the, you know, grabbing him and everything, and before they can all go down, basically he tells them, uh, Jim's like, leave my brother alone, and he says, he gets his, his wife and his son out of the car while they're distracted with the brother, but they're, he's not able to hurt him this time because, first of all, he's already dead, you know, because even earlier in this story, uh, Jim was, like, trying to shoot. He shot Vincent several times with a gun when they broke in the house to terrorize them, and he just said, well, I can't kill what's already dead, so... Same thing, but they're reenacting it. They're wanting to make it perfect, just like it was before, so they can cross over. And it does turn out that they do cross over. They get pulled into the uh, train to hell. <laughs> it shows up, and it's red, and then the same thing. He said, I got your keys again. And so Jim's like, I got the keys. This is how it happened. I'm the one who did this to you guys. And he grabs the, he has the key, and he throws it where they can't reach it, you know. And the guys are just like, powerless and they get hit by this train to hell and then they disappear with the train to hell because it's like i guess it's red so they didn't want that but that's i don't know where they thought they were going to go of course if you're evil and dumb in your uh real life and you've had 27 years to stew on your evil and dumbness in this mid-realm uh a dark mid-realm because i think he was separate from wayne because wayne is like i don't want to go back come with me i'm all alone in there so that's, you know, I guess he was, in the, was like the only good person in the in this in-between realm, this mid-realm. But anyway, and he tells his brother, he's like, you can cross over now. This, this, been, this business has been finished. You can cross over now. And he says, and don't worry, uh, Wayne, you can cross over and be with mom and dad. You won't be alone anymore. They're already in heaven waiting on you. And that's when the light reappears, and he's like, it's like a train. It's like a white light train. So the train to heaven shows up, and he gets taken, and it's all fine and good. And then all is good, and then the movie ends. Um, so that is basically, in a nutshell, the uh, sometimes they come back. So um, I really enjoyed the movie for some reason i had this huge mandela effect about this movie for years i thought sometimes they come back was a movie about like monster babies so i don't know why because i just had this memory of seeing that sometimes they come back and seeing like a crib like an old scary looking crib on a cover of a movie back in the days when they were vhs tapes and seeing like a weird um 
Scary Crips. I don't know why I thought that. So I don't know if there's a similar movie like that. So I never, ever was interested in watching a movie about devil babies. Um, but anyway, so that's basically uh, what the story is. But I enjoyed um, Tim Matheson. He was Jim, and I, he's a character actor. And he was uh, my favorite in the Brady Bunch movie as um, Roy, the uh, fake guy pretending to be the dad, returned dad, but yet he wasn't really him. It was his partner that killed him, and he was tripping with the Bradys when he was on Magic Mushrooms. That was a great story. Uh, just He was a good actor in that. And then Brooke Adams was Sally, and I don't recall anything that she's been in. I think she was in some other Stephen King movie. And then, of course, there's, like, Chris Dimitral as Wayne and Robert Ressler as Richard. And uh, there's a lot of Roberts in this one. Uh, Robert High Gorman was Scott Norman. as And so, and, of course, Nicholas Sadler, Sadler was Vinny. Bentry Mitchell was North. They, he was David North. He went by North. William Sanderson as, as Mueller. And then, of course, Don Ruffin was a young Mueller. And uh, Chad Najuris as Chip, um, Tazia Valenza as Kate, Matt Nolan as Billy Stearns, and William Colkey as Principal Simmons. So I do not recognize anybody except for Tim Matheson in this cast. So I'm thinking Made for TV movie might have been uh, their big break and it just didn't pan out the way they wanted to, unless they ended up going behind the scenes. I'm just not going to go back. And look through it. But the cover of this, as I'm assuming it was released, is showing um, a big fire, a wall of fire, and then the outline of a black car with these greasers standing in front of it. And it's just a shower. I mean shower. Shadow. <laughs> Sorry. It's just a shadow. So, and it's got it written in kind of like white letters. Sometimes they come back. So, I just don't know, you know. Um, it was a 67%... A review for Rotten Tomatoes, I guess. Based on 12 reviews, I guess nobody's going to ever uh, really... <laughs> 12 reviews, I just... Or maybe that's normal for um, Rotten Tomatoes. I think it was great for what it was as a TV movie. It was very interesting. Um, somebody called it a tight, moody work. What the crap? Uh, TV God rated it 2 out of 5 stars, and... Um, basically said that even though the cast was great, they couldn't fix the, uh, you know, the material was too weak. And so, so there is two sequels. That's very odd. Sometimes they come back again was in 1996. And then in 1998, sometimes they come back for more. So I'm not really sure. It's two straight-to-video sequels. I don't even know if I should bother... Uh, watching those, but I might, if I can even find them, probably some, probably out of print. I don't even know if I could find them. I just ended up finding this one randomly because it was promoted on TikTok or YouTube or something, and I saw a commercial for it because they're promoting it because they're releasing it um, on this streaming service for free right now. So I ended up watching it because I just had listened to this story like literally like yesterday. So it was amazing that I found it, and um, I can say it was the algorithm listening to my uh, different things, but honestly, I don't care because what's the odds that I listen to the story and the movies out for free right now? 
a lot of these movies that I want to watch um, cost something and I have to pay for them. So, I, you know, I didn't want to do that all the time. I'm going if I'm going to, but I'm just saying. Anyway, I enjoyed the movie pretty much. Like, it was definitely, the book was so much better, but the book was dark and it was a completely different, it was a total vibe, difference, different vibe. It's like a whole thing. You cannot even, just basically, this nothing is the similar except for the characters' names and the bigger plot line. But everything else diverted from there, you know. But anyway, I will uh, cover that in a different podcast because it's a part of a, a story collection that he released um, and I listened to, and it was amazing. Um, so, you guys, um, thanks for listening to me. Keep listening your books keep listening to my podcast keep reading your books uh keep watching our crazy weird mini series and movies straight to cable uh straight to vhs straight to whatever uh, <laughs> uh movies and such and just have a great day bye guys <laughs>